0: First time I had suicidal thoughts, I was 11. I was in sixth grade. Uh, We had moved around a lot. And at that point I had been taken away from essentially both sides of my family, my grandmothers, my aunts, my uncle, my cousins, my neighborhood friends, my school friends, my Dave Mohawks basketball friends. And we moved to Indianapolis and uh, we moved because my dad got a better job. So, you know, typical story. And uh, so now we was going like, I think when we was in Dayton, he was an aircraft mechanic and he worked for U.S. Air at that time. He worked third shift, so he would go in late and thank God for protecting us all those nights. But um, he would go in late and he was working for like eight dollars an hour or something like that. And he got a job with the government in aviation, FAA. And I think, like, his starting sign might have been, like, 45000 or something. So he was salaried. And thank you, Daddy, for that, for being the first man in our bloodline for who we know to be salaried, have a salaried job. And um, so we moved. We moved to Indianapolis. And that was my, I think, fifth move. And I was 10. I'd already moved, like, five times. And so... You know, there was a lot that was on me. First time going to a school where uh, I wasn't the smartest kid in a long time. First time going to a school where um, I wasn't, like, the best athlete. First time going to a school where I ain't had no friends or no cousins or no relatives or nothing like that. Or people knew. You know, first time living in, in a place since I was, like, cognizant where people didn't know who my parents were. Because, you know, we were living in my parents' hometown, Dayton, Ohio. And so, you know, I was sad and this was like the fall of my sixth grade year and I just remember just like wanting to kill myself. I was 11 and never did nothing crazy. And then basketball season started and I'm in Indiana. And at this time, like Monday I had Panther League practice Tuesday, I had Suburban League practice. Wednesday, Panther League practice. Thursday, we had intermeals. Friday, I had off. Saturday, had Panther League game. Sunday, had a Suburban game. That was my sixth-grade basketball schedule. I still know it. I was hooping six days a week. I was getting better. Like, I was one of the best players in our school. And I was having so much fun. I was meeting friends, and I felt like I was just in my environment. And at that point, man, like, this is Mike's first, not his first year back when they lost to the Magic, but this is the 72 and 10 Bulls year. This is when the Jordan 11s came out. We called them. You see the patent leather Jordans? Like, I had them hooping in them, you know, had the Concords and I had the breads. You know, like, it was just, my dad asked me if I wanted to Carolina. I was like, nah, I'm good. I didn't I didn't really like the the white. It was weird to me. And I knew me, I was gonna get them dirty because I hooped. I hooped to my Jays. And so like I was just excited to like be in middle school and now I had my basketball friends. I just felt really comfortable. And in seventh grade, I made a team, you know, we sucked. We were three and fifteen. Probably one of the worst coaches I've ever had. <laughs> to Coach Duckett, he was a janitor at one of our elementary schools, and he was doing what he what he could do. But, man, that man ain't had no assistant coaches. Bro didn't even teach. I don't even know if he could read. Man, he didn't even know my name. He called me Lil' Barkley because in tryouts, the first day I wore Charles Barkley, Jersey Sons 34, he called me Lil' Barkley. And I don't think he knew my name the whole season. Like, he would say just Lil' Barkley. Lil' Barkley, get in the game, like, whoop woo whatever. And then eighth grade, uh, and I played football. And then seventh grade, for some reason, I didn't play AAU. Like I don't, like, I, I don't know if the AAU teams got tight or whatever, but people didn't want to put me on their AAU team, and I don't know if it was because they thought I sucked, but the team I was playing on sucked, and I didn't really like. I played significant, but like, I didn't start, which I should have. But it, you know, whole other thing. And my dad, being first generation middle class now. Cause we only had been there a, a year and he goes from working in an aircraft hangar. Now he got to wear a white collar to work every day. He's not as locked into my basketball endeavors as he once was. He's trying to make sure he's keeping us there. And so my mom is kind of stuck like in between that too. And I could see that's when the beginning of like an angst was building. And, I wasn't deterred from my dream. I wasn't deterred from what I was doing. I wasn't deterred from making it to the NBA. I was still as locked in. I was basketball, I wasn't deeper in basketball than ever was. Like I was locked all the way in. I'm 12, like going into the seventh grade year, And I just kept talking about when I get to the NBA, when I do this in the NBA and I would say it every day cause that's what I was locked into. And one day I said it and my mom said, stop talking about the NBA. You ain't gonna make the NBA. Like I still can feel that pain, you know. And my dream got snatched right there. And I was emotional. My dad yelled at her for saying that. You can't say that to y'all. She came and she apologized and she was talking about she was just angry and frustrated. But, you know, at that point, like, like my dream was gone. And I didn't play AAU So that summer. My parents ain't put me in no camps or nothing like that. So I'm I'm trying to get better. But, you know, this is 1996, 97. Ain't no camps. I mean, there's camps. There ain't no workouts. It's like, it literally, the way Indiana was, too, is like, since we weren't from there, there was these little political cliques, these little social political cliques around basketball. And like, I wasn't super tall. My arms weren't super long. I didn't have super crazy bounce, but I had the intellectual basketball capital. I was smart. I was skilled, and I could play. And like, I worked harder than everybody else. Like, I was legitimate. No matter who you put me up against when I was in seventh grade, I was not about to get my ass busted And I was going to score That was the thing about that At that time It's like Every time I played I scored I scored a lot But it was just like The coaches My dad wasn't kissing coaches' asses You know We had dudes in our team That was buying Coach Duckett Nachos and shit Like my dad wasn't doing that Like my mom Wasn't a single mom Trying to make sure That I'm getting everything And she's all involved In that Like they from Dayton We in Indianapolis Like nigga Either it's, it's gonna happen For you or it's not and at that point, at 12 years old, especially being in Indianapolis, Indiana, at that time, the parents got to become the agents. And they didn't know that. They didn't know that. They didn't know that. They just think that, like, you're going. it's a meritocracy. They think that I'm going to get on these teams because of my merit. So if I don't get on it, I just might not be good enough. No. Y'all got to knock down some doors. But they didn't understand that. So... That seventh grade summer, I didn't play AAU. So I come back, eighth grade football, you know, i lead us in sacks. And I got to say this. And one of my homeboys, uh, he got cut seventh grade. And so, but he, he shouldn't have got cut. Like, we were 3-15, and 15, okay? I'm not even trying to cap. We add him, we probably win at least eight games. Like, he was good. This is and this is the township that I'm in, man. I'm listen. It's it's crazy. Like so much so, not only did he get cut seventh grade, he made a team with me eighth grade. He got cut ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade, and played college basketball, Division Two. This this is the township we were in. The once again, he didn't have the social political connection that you know. Other kids had, and he wasn't overly tall. He wasn't overly athletic, but he could play because clearly he became a college basketball player. But and even he was starting to like hate on me and stuff. Like his energy shifted, and then we had some dudes move in from another middle school, and they were gonna take some spots, you know. So it was like, whoa, our team gonna be a little bit different this year. And there was dudes that uh, knew that they was gonna get cut. I was like, man, I'm not getting cut, you know. So and in eighth grade, I made the team. Barely, but I made it. And I sat the bench the whole year. And I was sitting behind dudes I was better than. I'm not going to say no names because I just saw them at our 20-year reunion and they were all super dope. But, you know, I I sat next to my homeboy too. He sat on the bench next to me. We both were better than them. But But it became, you know, we got to mask our pain through joining on each other, trying to make each other feel bad, fighting, whatever it is, and just leading to these unhealthy, toxic relationships at that time to mask the pain that we're not getting what we want out of, out of basketball. Once again, I'm on an eighth grade team with one coach, 15 players, no assistant coaches. You know, the coach wouldn't even give all of us a ball during practice. He wouldn't have all of us involved in practice. If he needed you in practice, you played in practice. If not, you just on the sideline doing whatever. Nobody working with us. And this is our middle school, probably 600, 700 kids. This is Indiana, Indianapolis. Y'all couldn't find another teacher to be an assistant coach to help out with the 15 boys. Like, it was was insane what we had. And so, since I set the bench, didn't play AAU again, and my birthday is August 2nd. So when I started school, my parents had a choice. They could even move me up. I could be the youngest in my grade. They could hold me back. I'd be the oldest in my, in my grade. And because when I started school, we were in Japan, my parents were young. They were like 24, 25 years old. And... Um, They needed someone to watch me. You know, I was able to start school, and I was smart. I was able to start school earlier. And so going into high school, I turned 14. Everybody else was like 14, turning 15, they freshman year. I turned 14 like two weeks before school started. So when school started at high school, when I walked into my high school, North Central High School, with 3,000 kids, I was still essentially 13. Like, I'm seeing these senior girls and they look like women I, to this day, to this day. I ain't going to say no names again, but like some of them women was just so fine. And now I look back and they was like 17, 18. When I was 13, I was like, yo, these this is grown women. This ain't middle school, no more. Like I'm seeing my homegirls in Westlake. Like I don't want to see y'all. Get out my face, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But they looking at the senior dudes the same way. And... That that energy inside our high school, man, we had 3,000 kids, and you could feel all of it. And then also that year, you know, we had uh, the guy who was the number two point guard in the country, Jason Gardner. And he was number one. Number one was Jason Williams that went to Duke, and Jason Gardner was number two. And Jason, he had went to my middle school. Jason had went all through North Central. He was the man, you know. He was the best player in the in the state. In Indiana, what we have is Hoosier Basketball Magazine. And what they used to do on Hoosier Basketball Magazine, it was this massive magazine that got distributed through the entire state of Indiana. And it was just basketball ads and promoting people for the Indiana All-Star team. And it was a preview for every single team all over. It was a thick book. It was legit. And on the front cover, what they would do, they had these hand-drawn portraits of who they thought or who were the favorites for Mr. Mr. Basketball and Miss Basketball. And the bigger that your hand-drawn portrait was, the more of the favorite you were for Mr. Basketball. So in the year 2000, Jared Jeffries and Zach Randolph's portrait was almost like the same size. Jason was class of 99. His portrait took up the whole goddamn page. Okay. He was the man. People talk about who's the dude when you was growing up. That was the local hero. Jason Gardner was the man. JG was the man. And we had one state. North Central had never won state. Coach Mitchell had got there in 95. It was now 99. It was Jason's senior year. Jason went to my middle school. He went to West Lane. I wasn't there with him because of the age gap, but their picture was hanging up, and people always talked about them because we still had the same coaches, and they went like, 18-1 and one or something, playing a really tough local Indianapolis schedule. And that entire team was now about to be seniors in North Central. So our, my freshman year, our varsity team in North Central had 10 seniors. Nick Gardner was a junior. Donald Yates was a sophomore. We had a lot of dudes who were JV that should have been varsity players. Had they played anywhere else, they would have been a varsity player. We had freshmen. That definitely should have been JV and varsity players, but they had to get pushed down. The same with all that. So what happened is on our freshman team, there wasn't enough spots for anybody because you had the guys that should have been playing JV. You had Buki, Antoine, who should have been playing varsity. They put him on freshman. He ended up leaving, which he should have. Mitchell should have gave him the respect he deserves. You had the football players who were athletic that were going to get their spots, my homeboys. And then you had the, the political. I got to say it. The white boys who couldn't hoop, but their dad was on the PTO, and their sister was on the gymnastics team, and their uncle was the, was the president. And this is freshman basketball. Who cares? So we had open gym starting then at North Central It was like the second week of school. We go to open gym. (laughs) Man, it's probably, (laughs) I wish some of my homeboys was here on the podcast with me because they can really like vouch for this. Man, it's probably 400 people in that gym, dog. Real talk. It looked like camp. You ever been to a big like basketball camp? That's what it looked like. Like I couldn't imagine, now that I've coached, I couldn't imagine being a coach in that situation. Like, you gotta get rid of all these kids. Coach Mitchell used to be talking to us about wrestling. Hey, you know, you know, the wrestling team, you know, they just started their trials. I mean, you should probably go over there. Like, he was an asshole. Like, he was he was an asshole. And Coach Mitchell ended up being cool with me. Like, he ended up helping me with my senior paper and all stuff down the line. But that year, before he won, before they, you know, Jason going into Jason's senior year, Coach Mitchell was an asshole. And I don't think anybody that went to North Central at that time would deny that or, or, or say that. North Central North Central High School is where they used to hold the Adidas Invitational. I don't know if they still do. So if you are inside of the world of grassroots basketball and you go to Indianapolis, you've probably have been inside North Central. The way the school looks now, that's how it looked then, essentially. They've, got, they've made some improvements. But, you know, we had in our main gym, one, two, three, four, five full courts. In our back gym, we had, I think it was just those. Could they let them baskets down? No, they could. I think we had four full courts in the back gym, maybe. And then outside, we had like our gravel practice courts. I don't want to say practice, but like we had our outdoor courts. Varsity was in the main gym. Got so many people it was. JV was in the second gym. Freshman was outside. This is open gym. Sorry, second week. Open gym at North Central at that time was basically 2 months tryouts. They didn't tell us that, but that's what it was you know, and we had conditioning and we do these things called 2020s. You know, you had to run down, back, down, back in 20 seconds, right? Rest, 40 seconds, down, back, down, back, 20 seconds, rest, 40 seconds, do it for 20 minutes. And niggas was exhausted. (laughs) And What Mitchell would do, we would get out of school, dog. That gym used to be ice cold and he would make, he would line up The JV and Varsity, everybody that wanted to play JV and Varsity, all the dudes that were sophomores and up, he would line them up on one side of the gym. And on the other side of the gym, he would line up all the freshmen. And as you did your down, back, down, back, when you were waiting and resting, the other guys were going down, back, down, back. And it wasn't no whistle. You went on. You had to look at the clock. You had to start. You had to make it. And at the end, it was a buzzer. You could drop a pin in that gym and you would have heard it. With all them kids in there, it didn't matter. It was was some military torture shit. Sorry, Lord, for cussing, but it was. It like, that got me so mentally tough for other stuff in my life because I felt like nothing was more nerve wracking than wanting to make the basketball team. And this year, when North Central has more eyes on them than they've ever had in the state of Indiana at the height of Hoosier hysteria, and they had just ended one-class basketball, like, two years prior. And they were adding a tournament of champions. So, like, this was the first year it's going to be multi-class state champions plus a tournament of champions with the number two point guard in the country. Once we ran our 2020s, then we had to play pickup. And the way pickup was, it wasn't organized. It was captains. And you know what it is. JV, varsity got their court. Freshman got the other court. And you would hop on the court and stuff, but, you know, the only people that they really looking at is the guys that they already know. And so open gym was crazy. The spots that was on the team was just the only spots that was on the freshman team that was available was probably, like, five spots for, like, 200-some kids, something crazy. And I remember the week of uh, tryouts. Trials was after, you know, conditioning and all that. And I remember my dad driving me to trials because I got to go home because the JV and varsity would try out and the freshman came back later. And I remember him driving me to trials and I was so locked in. I've never been so locked in on anything as a child after that maybe not even college I didn't get locked back into things like that until I became an entrepreneur I was locked and I got in the gym and I was so overly locked in so overly emotional when I got on the court it was like I was in a whole nother world like I had never been high up to that point but that's how I felt like things were just moving in so many different directions like I could barely remember stuff like it it was it was overly emotional like it was like a almost like I was having some sort of brain orgasm or something like it was I, it was weird I had never felt that before in my life and it wasn't like I didn't have control of my body because I did and I was spinning I was shooting and I was you know I played well in tryouts um but my heels started hurting I remember being in the uh, um so what Jordans is them the 14s the ones that kind of look like the Ferrari you know I remember hooping in them in tryouts and my heels started hurting I think I like a heel spur. Ain't had that since. So I set out. I remember asking the varsity coach, like, hey, man, Coach Matt Graves, his brother Andrew Graves played at Butler. He, I think Coach Graves, is he at? He was at South Alabama. I don't know where he is now. But uh, I was like, hey, man, can I sit out? You know what I mean? And he was just like, yeah, you know, like, no problem. And so when I set out dudes started running, running conditioning and I'm like cheering dudes on, like trying to be like a, like a good teammate. And that was the last day of trials. And I come to school and that when I left tryouts, I, you know, I didn't feel comfortable. And that night I was just like, you know, I remember my house being really hot that night for some reason. And I wake up the next day and I go to school and I go to gym and I look on that door I look at that list, and I go to the C's, and I don't see no Clark. And I walk away, and I come back, because it was like a little crowd. Like, it was really on some movie shit. Like, when I walked up to it, it was, it was a little crowd. I looked, and I walked away, and I came back later. And I remember when I looked again, and it, I just couldn't believe it. I went to math class because my math class was right by the gym, and so I was right by the list. I went. I I, I couldn't tell you anything that we talked about. I just got up, went went to the restroom, went to the counseling office, said I wanted to speak to a counselor, wrote that I was depressed, put it in the little box, went back to class. Like 10 minutes later, somebody came and got me. Um, I talked to a counselor and was just telling her why I was so depressed, and she was like... (laughs) (laughs) The lady tried to be nice. Bless her heart. She was like, well, what trials was it? Was it the first round or the second or was it the end? I was like, it's the first round. I'm like in there emotional. I'm like, but I'm not a first round cut. You know what I'm saying? But but like, how do you say that at 14? Like, you got cut first round. Clearly you suck. But I didn't suck, you know? So it was just, and I just went home and I just, oh my God. The way I cried in my mom's arms that night. I just, I just. My identity was gone. Like, I who am I? Like, who am I? You know, from, like, my name being in the paper when I'm in fourth grade for basketball. Who am I? You know? <laughs> you know, like, you can't show your friends that. And at that time, like, I just, I just... I didn't know what else to do, you know. So I, uh, I just—I almost say I separated myself from the game. I do remember, like two weeks later, like I caught like a sinus infection, like a real bad sinus infection. You know, probably the most sick I had ever been. Um, and, and looking back at it now, that had a lot to do with it, you know. Like I—I I, that was my first real heartbreak, man. And ain't nothing hurt me like that since, besides when my grandmother died. Nothing, like, and so much so that I held myself back in the future when it came to going hard after things because I didn't want to experience that pain no more. And so, like, if I'm able to get an A on a test, nah, let me just study enough to get a C. I can always say I didn't try. You know, my grades suffered. I didn't want to be involved in nothing. Like, niggas start listening to a lot of music. I became a dude in school that's walking around with the Walkman with the headphones. I listened to a lot of music, man. Um, and I, I just didn't know who I was hanging out with different groups of people at North Central, you know, because all my friends, like, they, they made the team. Except for my homeboy in eighth grade. Like, he got cut to, you know. But his his brother was on JV. Who he's one of them dudes that should have been on varsity. So, you know, could kind of live vicariously through him a little bit. Both of us, I remember uh we went to Jamboree, where it was like varsity, JV, and freshman, and we both were there. And he was sitting next to me, and our eighth grade coach walked up to me and him. And uh he was mad. He was real mad. That all that the the amount of us that got cut. And he was just like, cause only three people from our, from our Holy crap. Only two people from our 8th grade team, made freshmen, and they both were white. And our coach is black. And he coach Keel used to talk to me about some of that stuff when we was in West Lane, but I just pieced that together like he that's what that face was. Like he was mad. He was just like, two? And then, and then he said their names. He was like, it just walked off. You know, and so that, that just shows me, like, my mom was right. But she wasn't trying to take my dream away. She had a pulse for what was going on. She knew the entire situation. She knew the powers that they were working against. And she knew what my dad wasn't doing and what she didn't know how to do. And he didn't know how to do neither. So I'm not blaming any of them. And then after that, man, like, I I played. And I played a lot of basketball in high school. But I never went all the way out. And then when I turned 16, uh, I I tried out again my sophomore year. Got cut. um, JV. And I remember one of my homeboys I'll say his name, Rodney, Rodney Underwood. Shout out to you, bro. Like, he, he had got cut, too. And Rodney, Rodney, who? Rodney was ranked in the state when we were in eighth grade. He was, like, the number two point guard in the state. And he got cut. This is what I'm trying to tell y'all. <laughs> so Rodney's talking to me, and I tell him I got cut, and I'm just sitting there, he's just like, man, that don't bother you? And I just looked at him. I was like, no, but I'm lying. Like, it did bother me. Now, sophomore year didn't bother me as much as freshman year, but, like, whatever. And then junior year, I didn't go out. Like, I was starting to put myself in that shell. Like, I'm not going out for that, man. And then my sophomore year, a couple of my homeboys got cut. That was really good. So it was just crazy. So then uh, when I became my second semester of my junior year, I hit a growth spurt. I hit, like, my muscles started coming. Like, I kind of developed late, and my jump shot was automatic. Like, my jump shot was wet. And so I would play pickup. I would play in church leagues. I would play with, against dudes that went to Pike or, you know, Warren or Sassina. they like, bro, how are you not on anybody's team? I'm like, man, I go to North Central. Y'all know how it is. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I just became a basketball player without ever playing on a basketball team like that ever again. And the psychological aspects of that, the effects of that, it just made me um, not go as hard after things. And that's wrong. You know, I didn't, I didn't really start going hard after stuff again until I'll probably say I got to cut freshman year. Probably my freshman year of, of college is when I really started going after things hard again. I didn't start going after things hard in my relationships until I was in my 30s. All the women that I dated from the time I was 14 till I was 30, I wasn't giving them everything I had because I didn't want her to hurt me like basketball did. I could always hold back. You know, I was never going to let anything hurt me like basketball did. Nothing. Ever. Again. And when you do that, that's just the devil holding you back and not letting you go after your, your gifts. Because you're going to get cut. Everybody in the history of basketball has been cut except probably LeBron. And I'm talking Olympic teams and everything. There are Hall of Famers that have gotten cut. Everybody's going to get cut in basketball. And I wish this would be more of a conversation that if you play basketball, you're going to get cut. I don't care how much money you made, how many points you scored, whatever it is. Eventually, someone's going to tell you, you are not good enough to play here. And what do you do after that? What's the next step after that? Fortunately for me, God allowed me to experience that when I was 14. And I say fortunately, because I still, as y'all can see, I still have the pain. But I'm fortunate because I was able to experience the game from a different perspective. I still was a player, but I started watching it crazy. I started studying it crazy. I became a scout. I became an analyst. I became a writer. I became somebody that everybody knew, like, damn, Dorian, know a lot about basketball. But everybody in North Central knew it didn't matter. You weren't going to play on the team unless you was one of the little pets. Speaking of which, that year they, we did win state championship. Jason did what he was supposed to do. He won Mr. Basketball, won state championship. Some of the best memories from my high school life. He hit a, a massive shot versus Bloomington South. I think it was semi-state when he, when he hit that. You know, went to Arizona, played for a national championship his sophomore year. Uh, was the name... Nate Smith player of the year, if I'm not mistaken, when he was at Arizona. So Jason had a phenomenal career and he cool as hell. And everybody else on the team was cool as hell. But it was just how that infrastructure was set up. So how to get over getting cut from basketball. You know, I'm, I'm sorry that you listened to this episode and you watched this video and you were thinking that I was going to give you some strategy. But, bro, ain't no strategy to that. You're going to fail in life. You're going to get cut. And the pain doesn't go away. It's going to cause friction in your relationships. You know, I want to say something about my mom before y'all go in. like, man, she was trying to protect. She wasn't trying to hurt. And me and her have had very open conversations about this. And when she watches this, she's going to be mad. Because <laughs> you know, me and her have had these conversations about it. But like I told her, I, I'm telling her, I've told her that happened to us so I could share it. So you, mom, don't do it to your little boy or to your little girl. My mom took them arrows for somebody I'm talking to right now. Because when she took my dream away, I never played the same again. My, my confidence was gone. Because my dream was gone. And I resented her for a very long time. And I buried it. I, I buried it. But I resented her. I say I probably officially like let it go. I was 25. So at least 11 years, you know, because I just couldn't understand how you could do that to somebody. But now that I'm older, now that I understand the socio-political environments, now that I understand, you know, money and how that factors into things, now that I understand what was going on in Indiana, now that I've coached and I've coached in prep schools at Montverde and I've been in division one and now understanding the business of basketball, I understand like she was in a helpless position and she thought she was protecting her son but what she really did is she started my career to where i'm at now mommy if it wasn't for you i wouldn't be right here so that pay it ain't never gonna leave you know but i don't hold it against you i really don't because i know i'm probably gonna do something too you know to to my daughter you know and i hope that she forgives me You know, (laughs) I knew when I filmed this that I was going to cry. I didn't think I was going to cry twice, you know, but you don't get over it. It doesn't leave. When you love the game, you love the game. It is what it is. But just because you get cut, that don't mean you ain't good enough. That don't mean that you ain't going to contribute nothing. I don't mean that, you know, this is the end of the road for you and whatever. You know, basketball is a game that gives forever. You know, there's so many stories of dudes that get cut at every level. You just got to keep going. That's the thing that I regret about myself. Like, I should have kept going. I should have got cut. I should have went harder. You know, and that's when I got to college. That's why I did that. I went hard. That's why in my music career, I went hard. That's why on social media, I went hard. That's why when people used to talk crazy to me, I used to snap back. Because, like, y'all not about to make me feel like I'm not going to that pain for y'all. That pain's reserved for basketball. That pain don't go nowhere else. I'm not letting it affect other aspects of my life. So you got cut. Go harder. You can never be too good of a ball handler. You can never be too good of a shooter. Phil Handy has workouts for you. YouTube has workouts for you. Study footwork. Get up shots. Look up other schools. Find where there's an opportunity for you. Find a coach that believes in you. Find an adult that's going to invest in you and your time. Your parents ain't going to do it. They don't know how. You're watching this video, not them. You got to take your basketball career into your own hands. Because that's how this game works. This is the beginning of it. Getting cut is the transition from when the game is being controlled by the adults and the parents. And it's getting passed on. to so the game is in the hands of the players. You know how much basketball you about to play and your parents ain't going to be able to see you or watch you? You know how, ba- how much basketball you going to play when you score nobody's going to clap? This is the beginning of it. You want to make the NBA? You want to play Division I college? You want to play varsity? You want to play JV? Go harder. There's two types of pains in life. The pain of sacrifice and the pain of regret. The pain of sacrifice is temporary. The pain of regret lasts forever. Pick your pain. I'm out the pond. Y'all stay true.